put your website to work while you play. A website works 24-7, so no matter where you are or what you're doing, people can still find you online. Start building your website today at GoDaddy.com. It starts with a .com domain. Enter promo code 199MYLF, that's 199MILF, at checkout to get your .com for just $1.99. Some limitations apply. See website for details. everybody, I'm Sophie, and welcome to MILF Talk, Make Your Life Fabulous. We like to talk about anything around here, from parenting and money issues to sex and dating. Uh, we like to make psychology fun. Yes, we do. I love fun <laughs> psychology. Seriously, I hope listening will not only entertain you, but maybe help or inspire you a little bit along the way. I'm a psychologist, life coach, author, and mother of two. I am passionate about helping people live authentic, joyful lives if you ever want to write to me and ask an advice question, you can either find me on Facebook at Sophie Venable or you can email me at makeyourlifefabulous at gmail.com. I would be more than happy to answer your questions, so hit me up for some free advice. Um, listeners of MILF Talk, please welcome my favorite podcast buddy, Todd Robert Anderson. Hey, everybody. How's it so going? happy you're here. I'm How are good. you today? I'm all right. I know. It's an all right day for you. It's an all it's right day. It's just an all right day for you. Yeah, but we got right. here. We're here. We're here. We're we good. Made it. I made it. I made it, too. I actually had quite a challenge getting here myself today. I got in at 2 o'clock from... Oh, right. You got delayed at the airport. <laughs> yes. I made some friends at the airport. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> well, you know, there, there's something to being trapped in an airport. Because you you yeah, wind up like you can you have two choices you can stress it and freak out and get mad and just spiral downward into anger yeah or you can say and fume just fume yeah, just people fume, around like you. why how yeah. the universe is the airline and goes this is crap yeah. or you can get a drink at the bar and watch some football That's and make new I friends <laughs> <laughs> I met football friends I met uh, oh and I met this woman and we were chit-chatting about Seattle because my boyfriend's daughter's moving up there and then I'm like well but uh, so you live up there she's no I live in Temecula I'm like my sister lives in Temecula and then I'm like texting my sister come to the bar I met one of your neighbors yep. so yeah so we all chit-chatted for a while and my girls I have to say total props to my daughters mm -hmm. because you know of course when you get that little text on your phone that your your flight's been delayed three hours it's just like Boom, boom, boom. Uh, yeah. You know, mm. and my my teenagers just like I just want to be home, but mm -hmm. she totally pulled it together because you know weather is weather. Yeah, you can't do anything about the weather. Yeah, so actually, the vibe in the airport, even though everybody was sort of like tired of sitting around, and I mean, it was kind of wall to wall people because mm. flights were just. Well, that claustrophobia can be kind of rough. It's yeah. it's crazy, and I mean, there were just so many people there, and and. But the but the general vibe was like, well, there's really none of us want to really fly in a lightning storm. No, so you don't. we're kind of just going to be here until we can fly without dying. Exactly. So, yeah. So it was. But my kids were amazing. We must have been in that airport for, I don't Oh, my God. Four hours, something like that. Yeah. 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 So we finally got home at like two in the morning. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. So it was challenging, but we had a good time. Yeah, that's the important thing. We, like, it, it's worse if you have like little kids. 
oh, there were then, some babies then, yeah, that just, you could the, tell, they're like, I want to be in my bed. And yeah. I don't really understand why we're here. And this is awful. That's yeah. when it's, uh, there's, then it's just torture. These but if, the, if you kids. have older kids, or even better, if you don't have kids with you, <laughs> then it's not so bad being then it's trapped. Not so bad. Then you really can just go to the bar and drink. Yeah, you have a good time. <laughs> yeah, we went to Phoenix, actually, and it was super hot. But Imagine Phoenix hot. Su- it was, <laughs> but it was super fun because uh, we went to a place that I've been wanting to go for a really long time, uh, the Arizona Grand Resort. What is that? It is something you should know about. Actually, I don't know about anything because I think Phoenix. you should take Colby. Actually. Really? Yes. It's um, it's a giant resort really nice all mm-hmm. the rooms are suites so you know you have it's, it's cool because you have the bedroom and then you have the closing door to the living room you know kind of like how uh-huh. embassy suites are and stuff yeah and um and the rooms are really nice not that expensive and they do have a resort fee but with that resort fee comes a giant water park oh with like a huge lazy river literally takes like 10 minutes to get around this lazy river and um, a really fun spinny water slide and then two eight-story water slides. Eight-story? Yes. That's really tall. Ask me if I did it. Did you do it? I did it once. Was it scary? I felt violated. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. What? Was it like You gotta buy me dinner first. (laughs) How long did it take? Eight stories? How long long is that To get down to the bottom? Yeah. I don't know, two seconds? Two seconds. Like, like you just drop. You basically just drop. It's, is it's, it just a straight one? It's not it's like twisty? fucking horrifying. <laughs> no, it's just a drop. Well, okay, one of them is uncovered and it's like a double drop. Oh. And the other one is like covered mostly, except for the part that you want to see so that you actually crap your pants. Uh-huh. It's um, a, like a straight drop. Like you go out for a second and then you just go bam, like down, like six stories, you know? It's fucking crazy. Wow. And, and, and you know you speed like to the end of this runway basically and water is shooting up into all different parts of your body <laughs> it's awful you, and and i'm literally you at the get bottom, like a colonic like, as like, part of the ride <laughs> i'm literally at the bottom like <laughs> my daughter's like mommy you did it do you want to do it again i'm like no, no, I don't. I really don't. But I did it. I did it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I don't. Maybe when Colby's a little older, he's not. Oh, re- he's so the not kids ready. had no problem with it. The kids, like the little kids, all of them were just like, really? let's go. Oh, they love that shit. Because he doesn't like roller coasters. Yeah, see, I don't like roller coasters. But you know what he he might like is the is the spinny one. I'm sure he'd like the spinny one. That one's he all likes... curly cue and fun, and you know that's awesome. Yeah. So and then the lazy river and the wave pool, like all that stuff. It was like super fun, and the food was great. So anyway, so th- I really am not being sponsored by the Arizona Grand Resort, but I thought it was awesome. Okay. And it's 20 minutes from the airport, and like it was just a really easy, fun vacation. And my my kids were awesome, and they're like awesome little travelers. I'm so proud of them. That's awesome. Yeah. So except for the flight. Oh. Except for the flight. But I'm just happy to be home. But seriously, because right now where we're recording, we're really close to LAX. I was like, maybe we should just sleep just here. <laughs> just sleep out in the car. Maybe like, we yeah. should just sleep in the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Come back in the morning. So so we're here. So we made it. Yeah. So um so do you remember a, a couple weeks ago we were like talking about kids and money and stuff? I don't remember what happened yesterday. How am I going to remember that? I think I vaguely remember that. We were talking about kids and money. God. <laughs> Why? Why? Why do I hang out with 
All right. Well, we were um, talking about kids and money. Yeah, no, I, do I, I mean, I got, I got, I got like some comments and you know uh, stuff from people that were sort of like it was interesting because they're like, yeah, I, w- I want to do all that. You know, I want to teach my kids about this, but my my husband and I don't even agree on. Oh, you know, money. And, yeah, you got to get on such. the same page there. Right. So, um, so I actually one of my favorite people to bring on when we're talking about money stuff is uh, my dear friend Ellen Fleischman, and she's sort of the go-to person because she's full of it too. Oh, free advice. Free advice. That is. So, um, so we're gonna get her on the line. Sweet. And she's gonna talk to us about this a little bit more. Okay. Okay. Hey, Ellen, are you on the line? I'm right here. How are you today? I'm doing really well, thank you. Good, thank you for calling in. My pleasure. So, um, so I got some uh, questions last time when we talked about kids and money, and um, talking to our kids about money and sort of having them earn allowances and get um, just get a sense of the value. And yeah. um, and some people were asking, you know. This is, I'd love to be able to do that, but my spouse doesn't even really agree with how I think about money. So, you know, where do we even start? So I just kind of wanted to, to hear from you a little bit. And you, one, tell us, you know, what you do and all of that. And, right. um, and kind of the, um, well, we'll start with the, uh, uh, the way that, um, you know, parents might be able to approach this together. Okay. Well, I'm Ellen Fleischman. I'm here at Silver's Financial Services in Chatsworth, 818-718-4643, and on the web at silversff.com. And um, I am a securities dealer. I sell uh, investments and insurance, and I partner with uh, Mark Silver's, who does taxes and accountancy services. So um, I, we have kind of a full-service shop here. I used to be a homeschool educator, though, and I have three kids of my own, and I really thought a lot about what's going on in our culture around money. And I think it starts in the family with the parents getting clear on what their own ideas are about money, what their experience was growing up, and what of that experience they'd like to give to their own children, and what of that experience they'd like to make sure stops with them. Not everyone had um, what we call a wound-free experience growing up around money. Different families have different issues. And the first thing is to get clear in yourself what it is that's going on inside you about money. So um, when, when people get married, right, they're coming from their own family of origin, and then they get together to create this family business, so to speak, yes. even if it's just the family business household, right? Well, that's why right. marriage was designed initially, right? Exactly. Business for, agreement. For money. For money. <laughs> right. And land. Yeah. So, oh, property, this is Todd. Yes, Ellen. Hi, hi, Todd. Ellen. Hi, hi Ellen. <laughs> How are you doing, Todd? Good. Thanks for asking. And um, so when you say, think about what money means to you, um, you know, like, like, let's talk specifically, like, what kind of questions should we ask ourselves kind of going into this mess? <laughs> Right. Well, I'm writing a book called Women's Thriving Guide, and my first book is going to be Money 101. And in that book, I've got a whole sheet that looks at different ideas we have about money. Mm -hmm. We grow up with ideas about poor people, about rich people, and what that means. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we have ideas that rich people are evil, poor people are noble, or there's some sort of... 
I apologize. There's some sort of um, trip that we've got about it that may prevent us from being all of who we can be around money. And so I think it's really important to unpack all of that and see what our unconscious assumptions are, uh, even before we have a conversation with our partner. Because if we don't know what is setting us off or making us feel like this is a really important issue to settle this second, then we can't really be in a place to hear where our partner's coming from. So what and might I be think, some of the questions mm-hmm. on that checklist that you might ask yourself, you know, before um, you even try yes, to well, communicate the worksheet with somebody else? At, at ideas that we hear out there in the world that our parents may say or other adults whom we trust or things that we just might unconsciously pick up from the culture. Poor people are noble. Uh, rich people are evil. Poor people can't get a fair trial. Mm. Rich people control the court system. Those are just a few of the ideas. Money makes uh, you an asshole. Rich people are, are generous. Money <laughs> yeah. is the root of all evil. I mean, yes. There's a lot of things that people learn about money that, true or false, don't really matter. It's about how we think about them, what we believe is true. And if we have ideas that money is evil or nice families don't talk about money, Mm-hmm. then it's impossible to have a conversation with your partner, much less with your children, about how money works in the family, how they can feel empowered around it, and how they can make some really conscious choices about what they want to do with their earning and spending power. Well, that's interesting. Like, Todd, did you know? Any, did your parents talk about like whether or not they could pay the bills, or was it sort of a quiet adult uh, conversation, or did you, did they you hear didn't, about it? Uh, well, um, yeah. I mean, my dad made me aware that we're paying. He made me aware that, you know, if I'm talking on the phone long distance. Oh, God, cost, remember that? Cost, yeah, I know. And this, I'm very, very old. <laughs> um, Hang up. It's long distance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, talked, you talked for an hour long oh distance God. last night. Do you know how much that costs? Right. Okay. And then he, mm-hmm. you know, with those kinds of things, he would say, if you want to talk like that, it's fine, but you have to give me the money for that. Okay. So, like, yeah. that made me aware of how bills worked. And I, I think it's. And, you know, and then, you know, oil and electricity and all that stuff. I, yeah. You know, when you're Turn a kid, the it's lights, just like blah, a blah, thing blah. that happens, you know. But, he, yeah, he would tell me that all the time. And I, it took a while for it to sink in that this, every everything is costing money. Yeah, I guess that's kind of the, the, the overall message that most kids hear is, like, stop spending money. <laughs> right. Stop spending money. Money is scarce. And, yeah, and my father's favorite line of blessed memory, he'd go, go walk into the room, turn off what he considered to be the extraneous lights, and then fuss, what, you've got stock in the electric company? <laughs> well, actually, yeah. Daddy, I do now. I sell lots of utility stocks, and they do quite well. <laughs> but that's really not the point. Yeah. When we grow up hearing those kinds of things fussed at us, it makes us afraid. It makes us feel ashamed. As like we, we're not allowed to take up space. We're not allowed to spend money. That spending money is scary and somehow wrong. Oh, my dad used to keep the house so cold, too. I grew up on the the East Coast. It was freezing in Massachusetts, and I got cold really easily. And I'm like, can we just turn up the heat a little bit? And he was like, no, we don't need to. It's perfectly comfortable in here. And I'm like, he's like, put on a blanket. That's it. Wear a blanket around the house. Put on two pairs of socks. No, I understand. I grew up in the Midwest. And And my mother loved to have the air conditioning down to 72 
in St. Louis in the summer when it was very humid. And then circumstances in our family changed when my parents got divorced, which often happens in families. And suddenly it was up to 80 (laughs) because it was just too dear. It was just too expensive. So it's very important for us to look at what our trips are about money and then have the conversation with our partner about what do we want to pass on to our kids? What are our values? See, there are two components to self-esteem. There's feeling lovable and feeling capable. And this is really about the capable part that we want to give to our kids. We want them to have a sense of confidence. We want them to have a sense of abundance. We want them to have gratitude, and we want them to have compassion. Those Mm -hmm. are the four things that, in my opinion, are really important to instill in our children regarding money. So when we talk to our partner about it, we're asking, okay, what can we do to help them feel competent in the family, make them feel like they're making a contribution, and that contribution is important enough that we recognize it with money? Because that's how we keep score in this culture, is money. So when kids understand that from the age of three, they can set the silverware on the table as part of making the family meal, or Mm -hmm. they can pair socks out of the laundry, and as they get older, they can do more and more difficult and challenging chores and be compensated for that. That builds their competence. And Except if you make them pair socks out of the laundry because you're setting them up for failure with that one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's just mean, Ellen. <laughs> I don't mean to be mean, but they, uh, my kids, I mean, actually, I had my four-year-old doing her own laundry. She was of the opinion that it was important to change nine times a day, and as soon as the clothes hit the floor, they were dirty. Uh. I said, let me introduce you to the washing machine. <laughs> and from then on, she was doing her own laundry. So I Good think girl. we um, infantilize children for far longer in, these, in this area than we need to, and we can encourage them to be competent and to find different ways where they can feel like what they're doing matters to the family. Well, let me ask you something. It's, it's kind of specific. Um, I actually have a, a surprising number of, of friends who we, we all had a, a, this, this one thing in common. We kind of eventually grew up in nicer neighborhoods, but we were the ones that couldn't really afford to be in that neighborhood mm-hmm. and couldn't really mm-hmm. afford to dress the same as the other kids in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's just interesting to me that I have so many people in my life who all have this same story. And, um, and it's interesting because like, per se, I live in, um, I live in Westlake, which is a, a really affluent neighborhood and we we're fine. You know, we're, 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 we're doing just fine, but you know, I am divorced. And so I don't have like massive amounts of, um, expendable income Mm -hmm. and my kids my kids friends you know they all get like a hundred bucks to go to the mall or you know like they get you know 50 bucks a week for doing nothing or you know Mm. some of some of mark's kids friends just i mean my god they just get anything they want you know and 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 it's sort of like if if you have and then they you know you're like his kid will say can i have you know 20 bucks to go to the mall and he's like well, get a job. None of my friends have to get a job. And so yeah. this is, you know, this is a real, um, you were talking about um, self-esteem and self-worth and feeling loved and valuable and being able to take up space. And I do think that sometimes that message that like, well, you can't give me $20 to go to the mall sort of, feels like, well, 
you know, why did, why are my friends, why are my friends worth that? And I'm not, you yeah. know? Ah, okay. So I think we need to look at the, the next thing, which is abundance. Mm-hmm. And, and when we instill a sense of abundance in our children, what we're trying to do is help them see that what we have is enough, is more than enough, that we, have, from a religious point of view, are very blessed, uh-huh. very lucky, fit, use whatever word fits with your particular cosmology. Um, we have more than enough to survive, we have enough to thrive, and we make choices about where we spend our money. Mm-hmm. And because we make choices about where we spend our money, we're responsible stewards for that money, and we're choosing to put our money in these areas. And because you've had a conversation, hopefully, with your children about what their goals all around money, and they want a particular toy, or they want a trip, or they want a piece of clothing, or they want something that's outside of what you feel is within your normal budget, you mm-hmm. coach them on, okay, let's, let's think about how you can get that for yourself. What can you do to contribute to that happening in your life? How can you manifest that particular garment or that weekend trip or that expe- special activity that you want to do? And encourage them to, to be creative and to brainstorm and help them um, to get set up to wash your car because you might pay for that anyway. But instead, you give them the money when they're old enough to mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. There are lots of things that kids can do creatively to generate income uh, on a catch-as-catch-can basis or even on a regular basis that can help them to feel like they're not only competent, but they've got a lot of abundance in their lives. And then they get to have the sense of, hmm, this is my money. What do I want to do with it? That's a different point of view from their friends who are being given everything and are being robbed of the opportunity to feel competent. They may feel abundant, but it's not their abundance. It's their parents' abundance. Well, that's interesting. A- that's, I, I, you said that just as my brain was sort of ra- I was wrapping my head around that. You're right. That's where the, the child is not experiencing creating their own abundance. Correct. They're, they're just experiencing the the trickle over from their parents abundance yes and they and don't get empowered no, there's no yeah. there's nothing tied to their self-esteem about it right and some parents have it wired that because they love their kids they give their kids anything they want sure and they i mean don't well, think but... that that's actually helpful <laughs> no i agree with you <laughs> i have a 25 year old a 21 year old and a 16 year old and the thing that i noticed because my kids went to private school with um, children from far more affluent families than we were. I'm also uh, divorced myself. And we went through the same issues. And uh, my children, as I said, were doing their own laundry and were packing their own lunches. And the other children either had their mother doing it or they had staff doing it. So when it came down to the fact that my kids know how to live on their own now, and these kids don't. They have a, a far steeper learning curve later on in their life uh, to learn how to be independent adults because they never had, a, had to struggle. And that struggling is a muscle. You've got mm-hmm. to help them build that struggle muscle and get it strong. So when they want something and they work for it and they're successful at obtaining it, that's a success experience that they can then build on and refer to. And it's a touch point. Remember yeah. when you wanted that Nintendo game and I said you were going to have to earn it and it took you 10 weeks to earn it? 
let me tell you, that Nintendo game is going to be far more meaningful to that child mm-hmm. than the Nintendo game that's just given to them. Yeah. Mm. And what's really cool now, because you can like take, you know, let's say you take your old Nintendo game and you sell it. You know, mm-hmm. like you can sell it online and it's like, yeah. oh, this, no, this, whatever money you get, that's yours. That's yours. Yeah. That's your money. And you get to apply that to, you know, another thing and you help them make decisions. Well, do you, do you, now that you have the money, do you want to wait two more weeks and get the next version or right. do you know, and, and you help them, uh, learn how to make those choices, you know, it also teaches enough. them patience right there. Yeah. 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 My son is eight. I have a question. Mashed potato society is not really helpful to our children. (laughs) No, No. I have a question. My son's eight, right? So my wife read something about, you know, allowances and, um, and to, it was about, you give them an allowance, but you don't, it's, they're not earning the allowance. They do things like helping out, like setting the table, like you said, but that's just, part of being in the family yes and they said keep the allowance where is that where do you fall on that concept well i'm of the opinion that it's very important for them to do chores as being part of the family and that their allowance is very much tied into that because when they get to be older than eight Mm -hmm. they're going to start to refuse to participate in their chores as a way to test the waters and see what's going on with these kinds of boundaries and when they hit the teenage years, there's going to be a lot of, I don't want to, gotta, have to do any of this mm-hmm. anymore. I'm too busy or I don't care. But you think so, that tying the allowance to that, like if you're not doing chores, because I think the point of this thing my wife read was you don't want to tie the money to the chores because they should be doing the chores because that's part of being in the part family. Part of the family. You know what I mean? Well, that's a lovely thought. And I think um, if, if that works for your family, that's great. <laughs> I don't know if it say, works. Yeah, money. like if you can get them to fall. That's not how the real world works. Well, that's... Because okay, when you go to work and you are an employee and you do your job, you get paid. But if you don't do your job, they don't pay you, which is how it really operates. So let's look at that in terms of the family. Here are your chores. If you do your chores, you get paid. When you do your chores, you get paid. If you don't do your chores, you get paid less. But there's a lot of things that we do in life, like laundry and cleaning the dishes and stuff, as adults, that we don't get paid for, right? If you That's don't, if you don't do those true. things, then your life is unpleasant. That I see. I've okay. It, uh, let me know what you think of this. What uh, what I what I will do is my kids have a couple jobs that they do. It's a little challenging because when you have like this split. Um, custody uh, mm-hmm. and the houses are different it's yep. it's challenging um it's so they challenging. have a couple you know things each that they do that it's like you know my daughter will say oh can't you know do i get a dollar for doing that i'm like no you just do that because you live here yeah well that's what we're <laughs> and, sort of doing too right yeah. and then what we do instead of like a set allowance is if you do such and such you get a point and for this you get a point and for this you get you know and the points are worth a dollar or whatever you know whatever they're worth and and it's a little bit like you said catch as catch can and, and you know kind of there's not it's not very structured you know yeah because, because and it our, sounds like an extra level of bookkeeping that i personally would want to deal with <laughs> but if it works for your family that's yeah that's but really it may stop path. working you know because i know that like my other does she really likes structure and i think she would kind of like to maybe arrange something where she could do you know, kind of specific things for a particular allowance. And so, and, and I think I have the same concern Todd does, whereas it's like, well, I don't want you to do things that are just sort of basic self-care, you know, like dishes or whatever, mm-hmm. um, just because you're getting paid. But I guess if, 
if that's what works, then pay them. Right, I guess. I guess. Well, as long I mean, as there's follow through, we have sort of. Like, well, what other jobs can they do when they're children? Let's let's really ask that question. What could they do out in the world to get paid? Now, some of them are going to be in the industry, but not very many. Right. And they're not going to really we get a hold that. of that money because they're not competent to deal with that level. Right. So, so we have to create a structure in which what they can do gets compensated or rewarded. However, you want to look at that. Right, like laundry, dishes. And all the different lessons can flow. This is how much you give. This is how much you save. And this is how much you spend. Mm -hmm. And I have some percentages there that I can recommend. I think it's important in building gratitude and compassion that um, it be a tradition in the family that 10% of what we receive, we give. And then we should save somewhere between 10 and 25%. You're going to find some kids that don't want to save a single penny. And some kids, you know, the, the, the dollar just burns a hole in his pocket as yeah. soon as he gets it. I've got one of each. And, and other kids who never want to let go of a single cent. And, you know, she's holding on to $100 and she just can't decide what to do with it. Right. And that's fine. She can take her time. But saving no more than 25% makes sense to me where that means that they're supposed to be spending between 65 to 80% of what they earn as allowance or what they earn for extra chores. The things that are chop wood carry water that we go through on a daily, weekly basis, laundry and kitchen duty and sweeping the floor and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. those are just the regular things that I think are part of being part of the household. But if they're sorting through the pile of junk mail that you don't want to deal with, mm-hmm. and they're taking out the address information and shredding it and recycling the rest <laughs> of it, and that's a that service like a that they're providing to the family that isn't part of normal family life right. and be compensated extra. Right. That's like a little office assistant. They, yeah. I think yeah. that's yeah. sort of what we're doing. I mean, yeah. we give him a, a, you know, like three bucks a week as an allowance, but uh-huh. if he wants more than that, then he has to do the special jobs. But we don't connect. I don't think we're connecting the allowance to, you know, making his bed and setting the table. Well, I guess maybe that's the that. definition of an allowance. Yeah. Is that you, you know, it's like, here's, here's kind of the money that you're, all your your fun money or whatever that you right. get to do just mm-hmm. just because just cause great you're... and so if you have a religious practice and you meet on a regular basis then uh, you might want to encourage your child to bring ten percent of that allowance to donate. See, I think my that. kids would like that. I think if I said, "Hey, you know, you guys got really generous gifts from Grandma. Why don't we go?" buy some canned goods and take them over to the food bank. I actually think my girls would really like that. I think yeah, that would... yeah. My my son is kind of obsessed with homelessness. Is he? So, yeah, yeah, he saves money to give to charity. I have taken to keeping a box of uh, protein bars in my glove box, and when I see someone by the side of the road, I'll pull over and give them a bar. Oh, that's, oh, that's nice. a good idea. That's a good they idea. say they're hungry. I'm giving them food. Mm-hmm. That feels more direct to me than handing them money that, honestly, I'm not sure where it's going to go. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's a whole feeding. other like ball of wax there. I do like, yeah, so I my do kids like the guys giving who the have... person food and it's like, okay, he says he's hungry with the sign. Mm-hmm. Here's some food. Well, there are and the guys who honestly say, I want, you know, their signs say, I want to get a drink and some cigarettes. Yeah. Do you not I give them cash? Or they, they, I've seen them, <laughs> and I respect it. <laughs> honesty right there. But when we, when we encourage them to give, we're building that compassion as well. Yeah. And I think that's very important for them to have that sense of compassion, that sense of there but for the grace of whatever power you believe in, 
go myself and our family. And when we have so much, when we have so much abundance, we're grateful and we're compassionate. And that's part of the bigger lesson around money and why I think it's so important to have the conversation with your partner. What's important for us to teach to our kids about money? Because there is a dearth of financial education in the school system. It's almost as if it's a taboo subject. What did you get in school That is the issue. Yeah, I really find that it really is a taboo subject. It's like, why can't we even just talk to our kids about what a household budget looks like? Mm-hmm. What, why, why can't we talk about that? Is it because, you know, everybody's parents make a different amount of money? And so what, you know, like... like That's true. I don't remember at any point in my mm-hmm. education somebody talking about the realities of just a household budget. Yeah. Then, right. you, you hear about economics and the history of economics and it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around that <laughs> like never got that yeah. i never understood how like, precisely how the stock market works and yeah. I, I it's weird and it doesn't make sense but the fact that i was never taught like simple cash flow through a household right. that, that would have been very helpful it certainly would have helped me when i got to college because it was easy for me when i got to college to just run out of money because i was oh absolutely you know. yeah how about you sophie did you get any kind of education in school anywhere about money or finance my my mom uh is um she's good with money and she actually did teach me quite a bit and, uh, you know, taught me how to write checks and taught me how to, you know, and um, but she she's, you know, she grew up in. Um, well, she I guess she was kind of a depression baby, you know, but uh, but she um, she's a little bit uh, fear based about about money, you mm-hmm. know, understandably so, um, considering she's also but she's also very generous and. Um, but she really would always talk about saving. You know, mm-hmm. because right. in, in her, uh, the paradigm of money to her is pa- money equals safety, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And so um, uh, there, w- there was a, a little bit of um, fear around it that kind of, you know, kind of made me uncomfortable. I, I try not to I don't want to I don't want to I want to teach my kids a little bit more abundance and trust around it. Mm-hmm. But she's very smart with it and did always make me aware of I think she did teach me actually how to balance a checkbook so when I I, I'm not saying I never got into debt trust me because I was in that generation that like they were handing credit cards out at school oh yeah they don't do that anymore (laughs) no 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 they're not allowed to do that anymore but that I was part of that it was like here's a credit card whoa this is cool right so I'm not saying I had a sixth grade mini course on the stock market Really? And yes, I had a very progressive sixth grade teacher, Mr. Weber. No way. And and after that, nothing. So it wasn't until I became educated as a financial professional that I really um, earned my stripes and started to understand how things work. And no. you know what's ironic is that I went to a very very good university in the East Coast, and I took calculus in my last year of high school. And yet my, my middle D. son, who wasn't so great at math, had a finite math course where they actually taught him how to balance a checkbook and went through the interest rates on credit cards and savings and investments. Wow. He had a better understanding than these other kids who were taking calculus and going to supposedly better schools. Can you imagine, think, can you imagine being in 12th grade and actually learning about the bullshit of credit card uh, interest and how that like yes. oh, that would be amazing that would well, have and it's saved practical. a lot of people yeah. a lot of trouble yeah. 
<laughs> oh, I know. I just teaching them the rule of 72 would be a, a useful thing to teach in a math class. What's and it's the rule of 72? very seldom taught. What's the rule of so, 72? Ah, the rule of 72 is how compound interest works. So if you have, oh, yeah. say, an interest rate, um, you divide it into 72, and then you find out how long it takes to double your money. So, for instance, if there's a 4% interest rate, it's going to take you 18 years to uh, double your money. And good luck finding 4% currently at yeah. any of the banks that are having the down. But, you know, if okay. there's an investment and it's paying 8% and it's compounding, it's going to take you nine years to double your money. That's the rule of 72. Mm-hmm. If you've got a credit card, oh, goodness gracious, if you've got a credit card and you're paying 12% on that credit card, it's going to double in six years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it'll yeah. take you 72 years to pay it off. <laughs> That's <laughs> well, the rule of 72. I, I, don't know, I don't know if you carry balances, <laughs> but if you carry any balance on your credit card now, by law, they have to tell you that if you pay the minimum, this is how many years it's going to take to pay it off. Yes. And sometimes it's laughable. Yeah. You know, it's like, this is going to take you 31 years to pay off. What? Well, so it's it's very important to teach children how to be competent in the area of money so that it can make good, sound decisions that will help them down the road and make them feel like they're on top of it and it's not some big, scary, here-be-dragons well, part of the roadmap of adulthood. That's re- so, you, we, so we've talked about, we've talked about the, the gratitude and we've talked about the compassion and we've talked about the self-efficacy. And so, you know, because we're going to wrap up in a couple minutes here with you and I, I love everything that you're, you're working on and um, I... I was just thinking as we were talking about this, that might be kind of an interesting place to start with your kids that are, are of age to understand it is just to show them that little now required by law little box on your credit card bill that shows mm-hmm. what this means. Because mm-hmm. some kids are like, oh, well, you just put it on the credit card and you go, oh, OK, well, yes, but mm-hmm. let me Here's show you really let me show yes. you what it means to put things on credit cards. And then they go, oh, you know, so it might be yes. just kind of an interesting way to open a conversation. Yeah. Yes. What you buy on sale and put on a credit card is no longer on sale. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That is so true, isn't it? Right. Well, thank you for the opportunity. If anyone would like my services, I'm here at Silver Financial Services in Chatsworth, 818-718-4643. Thank you so much, Sophie, for inviting me back onto your show. It's a pleasure talking to you, Todd. Oh, th- it was lovely talking to you as well. Well, Ellen, you're not quite off the hook yet. Yeah, you're not. Done. Okay. <laughs> you have to take the MILF quiz. It's going to get crazy. It's, <laughs> it's going to get crazy. Yeah, this is where we start drinking. Yeah. No, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. Okay. Do you, do you have your, tequila with yeah, you? Yeah. Do you have tequila? And do you have a ping pong ball? We're across ball? the street from Los Toros, so okay, after great. people get their taxes done, we send them over for tequila. Nice. That's perfect. That's uh-huh. perfect. Okay. So get your little ping pong ball and your cup out. No, I'm kidding. Okay. So this is just a quick little quiz. All right. You ready? Uh huh. All right. First word that comes to your mind when you hear the word MILF. Moms. Oh, all right. What turns you on creatively? Music. Number one celebrity on your hump island. Oh, goodness. Hugh Jackman. Oh, oh wow. nice choice. You like abs. He can <laughs> Oh, I know. Oh, my He's goodness. so the cute, isn't sing. he? He just oozes talent. He's adorable. Oh, and he can dance. Oh, my goodness. I know. He's just too And much. that accent, that's not hard to listen to. <laughs> I know, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, then that might be the answer to the next one. What sound or noise do you love? <laughs> 
The sound of Hugh Jackman singing. Obviously. I know. Yes, there we go. There That's you go. Hey, right this there. is not your quiz. You, I'm you know, sorry. You get I, a lot of opportunities. I don't want to put words okay. in your mouth. Well, I, I just love music. I've always been very musical, and I spent a lot of my life in music, so I'm very happy anytime there's music going on. What's your favorite favorite kind of music? Hey, hey we are not to that no, question. I want to know okay. what her favorite kind is. Um, I listen to a range from pop to Broadway to jazz to standards. I'm really happy that they put the 40s back on uh, Sirius Channel 4 because there's some great stuff hiding on that station. Yeah. And yeah, it just keeps me happy when I'm sitting here at work helping people with money. So I love the old love school music. stuff. I used to sing it with my dad. So mm-hmm. fun. Um, okay, stuff. so what, now, what noise or sound do you hate? Whining. <laughs> <laughs> here, here. Uh, favorite, <laughs> favorite song to sing in the shower? Oh, it depends on my mood. Okay, good mood. Uh, good mood? I uh, respect. <laughs> Aretha Franklin, yeah. What about a bad mood? Oh, uh, love's been rough on me. At a game. Nice. <laughs> nice. Boy, that's well, a depressing a shower. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's your favorite song to sing at karaoke after two drinks? Oh, goodness, goodness. <laughs> um, bring him home. Oh my God, that would just—I love that cry. song. I don't like the rest of the show all that much, but that song always gets oh, me. Oh, I know that song's just a tearjerker. Kills me. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. What's "Bring Him Home"? I don't it's even from know. Les Mis. Oh, that's why I don't. Yeah, like it. it's just uh, <laughs> that whole show, Le, man. Les Mis is. Uh, I've seen it in New York, and I've seen the movie. Not my and, thing. Oh God, I could just go on about how brilliant people are, but I just don't ever want to see it again. I ran so, a yeah, spotlight. I, I ran a spotlight for a week. For a performing arts high school Les Mis production. Yeah, and you wanted to kill yourself by the week? I wanted to jump out of that <laughs> booth it's into just, the crowd. I know, it's horrifying. Ugh, it's just awful. Okay, I felt like Russell Crowe was in the wrong movie. He was. We all know that. It's sad. Poor man. Poor man. Um, what <laughs> is your favorite curse word? Definitely the F word, but I try not to do it too often in oh, front of small children. Okay, all right, all right, then we'll just let you slide <laughs> on that. Okay, so um, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Hmm, welcome. Oh, nice. Huh. Yeah, that's all okay. you can hope for, really. <laughs> <laughs> and if, if, if I exist and you appear on my doorstep, what should I hope to have in my fridge? Oh, in, oh, um, white Zinfandel wine, please. Oh, <laughs> you're going to be the cutest 80 year old woman with your little white Zin. Do you like it in a box? <laughs> <laughs> have a nice glass of wine, put our feet up and have, yeah, a, nice and have a little chit chat. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, being on the show. And I do hope that you will come back again. That is our show for today. Um, go ahead and stay on the line while I say goodbye to everybody. Thank you, Todd, for being here. Thanks for having me. And be sure we're still setting our DVRs for You're the Worst. Yeah, watch You're the Worst. On 10 30 Thursdays on FX. Yes, because you'll see this handsome devil on the small screen, I guess is what it is. <laughs> Sometimes really small if it's on your iPad. Um, you can find me on Facebook as Sophie Venable, and you can follow me on Twitter at MILF Talk. You can find my book, MILF 101, on Amazon. Or uh, probably last chance to enter the giveaway on Goodreads and win uh, one of 20 copies that I'm giving away for free. Thank you for listening today. Bye. Bye. Bye.